Welcome to this week's episode of the Get to the Contest Small Business Podcast. I'm your host, Warwick Jackson. Today, I want to talk about what does uh, a post-JobKeeper world look like for all those Australian small businesses out there. Um, so unless you've been in a coma or living under a rock for the last uh, 12 plus months, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic has uh, caused a few little mishaps around the business community, uh, to say the least. And uh, one of the responses from the government was JobKeeper. Now, JobKeeper was a government support system that allowed basically wages to be, uh, a significant portion of wages to be funded to keep employers keeping their employees in place um, and uh, it was quite generous. Probably about 80 to 90% of small businesses qualified for it for the first six months. And then we found that they've been dropping um, as you had to be renew your eligibility. You, you uh, were entitled to less money, but also far less clients were eligible. But uh, effective the end of March, the, the government has said there, there is no more money. So that's, that's just one thing that, um, look, as we, we look at what a post JobKeeper world looks like. You know what does that mean for small businesses? What does it mean for the for the economy? And and what should small business owners be aware of? So, look, I want to start by just going. Well, look, what were some of the things that the government brought in during the at the, at the outset of the pandemic that to to help small businesses? So, one was that JobKeeper subsidy, which you just discussed. Other was cash boost, where basically if you're employing people, government would give you between uh, Twenty and a hundred thousand dollars per uh, employer to help pay pay wages, depending on the size of your employment. So that that were the two big wins um, for small business owners, and for many business owners, they were a win. They've, some business owners are actually have never been better off because they managed to escape largely unaffected by COVID, but were still benefiting from some of these subsidies and um, and government government assistance. Uh, but some of the other things that the, the ATO did uh, around the time of the pandemic coming in just to, to help, they changed the rules around insolvent trading. So that what that did was it allowed struggling businesses, um, directors were, rather than being personally liable for trading insolvent, uh, they had a little bit more leeway. Now that, that protection uh, finished up 31 December. So that, that that's something that small business owners uh, need to be aware of. In my experience, it probably didn't change too, too much of how people behaved, um, mainly because they weren't insolvent whilst they were getting all this free uh, government money. So, uh, but that, that was certainly one of the, the changes the government um, made. The other sort of policy change that they made was they virtually turned off all debt recovery and penalties. And I just know, you know, my business in um, in public practice, pre, pre-pandemic, there would always be correspondents coming across a desk or, or phone calls from the, the tax office chasing up, you know, people that had not lodged or or not made payment and, and you know getting getting quite uh, active on the on the the recovery front chasing people for their tax that was in arrears so around uh, April last year ATO moved about 5000 staff i think was the number out of of debt recovery and reassigned them through to basically education and job keeper eligibility and cash boost eligibility um, to to help small businesses access those those and administer those programs they are now uh, which i'll discuss later but they you know they that debt relief or, or not chasing debt 
and also not imposing penalties was a big win for small businesses, um, but that, that's not going to last forever. Some other assistance that they offered uh, various other government levels was, you know, um, particularly state by state, there was some, some other benefits around uh, helping small business owners that had commercial leases in place that uh, basically reducing the amount of rent that was payable and also making a making it possible to pay whatever debt was due for rent down the track rather than paying it each month. Also, uh, another thing which is largely a timing thing but did change some of the behaviours. Again, I'll, chat, I'll discuss it later in this podcast. Significant changes to the asset depreciation laws allowing instant write-off of assets and um, that certainly has achieved its desired effect. But what I, what I have been asked by quite a number of people and hence this podcast is, well, now that the the main program being the, the, the JobKeeper funding, the last of those people, uh, those, those claims were, were eligible at the end of March. So people would claim at the beginning of April for what they were due for March. So after that, there is no more free money for, from the federal government for JobKeeper. So the various government uh, support uh, systems they put in place what did they? What impact did they have on on small business and the and the economy in general? So, for one, I'd probably say that it's had a, a real impact on on um, overall business confidence. When the pandemic first started out, everyone uh, was absolutely scared stiff because there was so much uncertainty. So, the, the the main benefit of all these programs was it gave people certainty and the confidence to go on. And I think as soon as the JobKeeper was announced, it, it gave everyone took a deep breath. You know the the and you know they could see a path forward to being able to keep people employed even though we're going to have a lockdown Um, it also meant that there were significant numbers of businesses uh, perhaps who were who who shouldn't who were inefficient and not productive but they it kept them alive Um, so they might have even been struggling pre pre pre-pandemic pandemic Pandemic, um, without all this would have would have put them to a swift death but actually they've actually been on life support uh, artificially in many cases so there are a number of businesses um, some people call them zombie businesses that have got a significant amount of debt that they've actually they've just kept up and running until 31 March because they've been on this this sort of free money subsidized wages gravy train which has artificially kept them kept them open for business and off the back of that uh, I guess a year ago uh, we probably would have before you were uh, we knew about all these government support systems would have expected a major increase in in uh, small business liquidations and and insolvency matters so in actual fact uh, the numbers of, of, of actual insolvencies have, have just about halved from my um, discussions with with sort of uh, insolvency professionals. They, they have actually had less work on because many of these businesses have been, you know, kept a lifeline and some, some nice cash to influx into the business from, from the federal government. Also, impact of these, uh, uh, of the, these uh, government policies, look, unemployment was... At seven point six percent in July of twenty twenty, but it's now dropped to five point eight percent as of Feb twenty twenty one. So it peaked at that that amount, and the, the, with the influx of confidence that that came with, you know, the the well, the, the lack of fear, I guess, or the addressing that fear, uh, I think you know most people were, were back working um, once they knew the job people was there. Um, 
other thing around those small, the other area that has uh, really changed some behaviours, the instant write-off for, for assets. So in the past, there was like a threshold above which you'd have to depreciate items. Now, you know, basically it's it's an uh, uh, instant write-off um, for a tonne of assets uh, for pretty much all small businesses. So again, that, that means you can really reduce your tax. It's a timing thing. It, in the past, you might have had depreciation over, over, say, five or 10 years or the life of the asset. Now you're going to get an instant write-off uh, for almost all your assets that would qualify. So that's, that's really uh, changed some behaviours and it's caused an actual spike for planned equipment. Now that the, the, sort of the gravy train is over, what does this mean, though? Which is, which is uh, the question I'm getting asked a lot. So, look, the ATO has to turn from the, the helpful um, small help, help, helper of small businesses. They're going to flick the switch pretty quick to the um, cracking the whip around getting paid. So they've got a, 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 according to a conference I went to recently, $53 billion book of debt that is growing quickly because uh, a lot of their payments have, have, have not been forthcoming because they haven't been chasing it so much. So ATO are really going to step up on their, their recovery mechanisms and, and I think small businesses should prepare for that. Insolvencies, they will definitely go up. There's been a lull in them, as I mentioned earlier, but they are, I would expect them to probably double or even triple uh, in, in volume because there'd be plenty of people that now that the last of the free cash has arrived, they're just going to put their hand up, go see the liquidator and say, right, hand, hand the, the liquidator the keys to the business, close it up and walk away. Well, hopefully they'll be able to walk away without too much personal uh, commitment. So that will happen. It's something for us to be aware of. Commercial debt and other supplier payments will now also uh, need to be repaid. So a lot, a lot of people might have been on a sort of a debt-free holiday or, or a, oh, sorry, a debt payment holiday, I should say. Um, on making payments, including, you know, for things like your your commercial premises or your your equipment finance, those, those sorts of things. But look, they, they're going to now need, start to needing to be repaid. As we sort of move into a, a, a post-JobKeeper uh, world, um, I, I guess businesses need to be aware that the, the, the leniency around some of these people that have been, or some of these organisations that have been very generous around not chasing money, that's not going to last forever. What what to do? Step one, again, with our, this is probably the most important thing for many businesses that have used the ATO as a bit of a bank, don't ignore the ATO correspondence. So those 5,000 staff that are now going to be back in the collection side of the business, they're, they're really going to have a, they're going to be cracking the whip. You know, the last 12 months, we've probably haven't even had phone calls or anything, but if you have, you've been you're able to get a, a payment arrangement at, at whatever you dictated rather than the ATO dicta- dictating it. So I can foresee the ATO really cracking that whip. Uh, what I think uh, people should be inclined to do is uh, be on the front foot and perhaps reach out to the ATO to suggest a payment plan if they do have any ATO debt rather than wait for an ATO plan to be imposed on them um, it's always better to be driving that conversation, uh, perhaps getting in front of the game before they really uh, ramp up, try to collect this $53 billion book of debt that the ATA has got. So that's one thing to be aware of. So, And if you do receive, and I can't emphasise this enough, if you do receive any correspondence from the ATO, please do not ignore it. Um, there may be things in there that look like just a standard ATO letter, but sometimes they can be... Uh, very important legal documents like director penalty notices and the like, uh, where you've got a very limited amount of time 
to respond. Uh, director penalty notices often have uh, 21 days to respond, and that includes that's from the date of the letter, so they don't give you any credit if the letter took you seven days to get to your mailbox. Then you've only got 14. So um, really, don't ignore any ATO correspondence. And if you do get any and you don't understand it, reach out to your accountant, reach out to uh, your, your trusted advisor, so that they can determine if it's if it's something that you should be more uh, concerned about. But whatever you do, just don't put it in the paperwork tray and think I'll get to that at the end of the month because it may be too late. To um, we we may miss out on some of the benefits that that the company structure around asset protection that the company structure provides. What else to do? Look, this one seems an obvious one and those regular listeners of the show would have heard me say before, but get your numbers up to date. There's absolutely no downside in knowing your financial position. Getting your numbers up to date, one, enables uh, you to have a clear understanding of are you making money, are you not, who you owe money to, what your commitments are. Um, From that, you can then make informed decisions about what, what to do. Off the back of that, I would highly recommend Part of that process is getting your lodgements done. Even if you can't pay, don't sit on a lodgement. No, you, you might know that you've got a business activity statement, um, say for, 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 for March, that might be due, and it, it might you know it's going to be $25,000. But don't just sit on it and not lodge it knowing that you can't pay it. That's the worst thing you can do. ATO has very strict criteria out what it can and can't come in and claim off the director in the event of on-time lodgements. Um, so you could be setting yourself up for a fail if you just don't want to put yourself, uh, let, let the ATO know. They'll find out eventually anyway. You're better off uh, lodging on time. And then if you're lodging on time, there's a lot less they can chase you for. That, I think, is is a, a really important um, part. Getting your lodgements done, getting your numbers up to date and getting your payment plans done, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, and just with those payment plans, just one point I neglected to mention. Uh, if you're on the front foot with them, you know, pre-pandemic, we were always hard pressed to get a payment plan over 12 months. ATL were really keen for those to be paid uh, far sooner. My my gut feel is that if you get on the front foot now, you might be able to get payment plans over two years, even two and a half years, if you go in with a good proposal and perhaps a little lump sum that you're prepared to give them. So uh, I think if you if you get locked that in sooner, that'll be a big win. The other thing that uh, I think we really should look at is, look, supplier terms lock these in now if you've got an arrangement with your supplier that is uh, perhaps overdue or, or not documented because they've been they've been holding off as as the cash squeeze comes in suppliers are going to be you know they're going to be chasing people too so i'd be i'd be getting on the front foot with your suppliers if you do have an account with them and getting an arrangement in ideally a written arrangement in with them that you can stick to uh, that stops them going legal on you down the track and and causing you grief um, and you know, like you just you just don't need that pain. And look, all this off the back of knowing your numbers, getting your figures up to date. Look, having a budget, cash flow forecast is is just going to be so helpful for your business. Understanding what your commitments are, and if there's a shortfall in it, well, that's that's easily well, it's not easily addressed, but you can at least address it rather than sticking your head in the sand and just either running up debt with the ATO non-lodgement or, or just milking your bank account dry and then a couple of months down the track having to close the doors because you've you've squeezed every ounce of juice out of out of the orange and there's nothing left to give. So but if you are on top of your numbers and you can identify there's going to be a shortfall, well that's where you can really go hard on collection, you know, take some strategies. And and I, I would be really big on going hard on collections right now. If there are small businesses that have an influx of cash 
coming in that is about to finish, like once they've made them their final JobKeeper claim, well, time to hit them up for money is now, not in six weeks when they've already spent it. So chasing them for their money now, uh, or at least getting them on a payment plan, um, because the, I mentioned earlier, there, there's going to be a spike in in businesses that have um, do go into liquidation, and I would hate for any of, of, of our listeners out there to be an unsecured creditor that basically they're getting nothing for their money or cent, or you know cents in the dollar. So um, you know, jump on top of that early. Um, it's 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 just a, a chasing money sucks in small small business, but it's, it's just so important. Um, and similarly, uh, off the back of identifying your budget and your cash flow needs, I would be getting in early around getting alternate sources of funding in. So if you're going to use some things um, or like a funding provider, like banks are ridiculously busy at the moment. So if you go for a bank loan pretty much on anything at the moment, they, they're taking about four times longer than they typically do. Even alternate sources of funding, um, so, you know, debtor finance or, or um, trade finance, um, you know, inventory and stock finance, those sorts of things to help with the, term, you know, the working capital of your business. Now, that stuff, that, that stuff can cost a bit, but it can also help you grow your business and maintain your business. But you don't want to be asking for that when you've got to make payroll on Friday and today's Wednesday or something like that, because it just won't happen. Whereas what I would do is even if you think you're not sure if you're going to need it, I would get those those products in place. Um, there are products out there that don't cost anything uh, unless you use them, uh, particularly around debtor finance and whatnot, getting approval for those in place. And then if you do get a shortfall where you need them, well, they're ready to go. Because um, again, those types of products the turnaround time on getting those in in the world that we now live in is probably, you know, there, there's going to be a spike in demand for those products. So getting those uh, done and approved when you're feeling the pinch and having a cash shortfall, you'd rather ask for the cash or the product approval when you're not desperate for the money because, uh, you know, you, you may be forced to take a, a suboptimal um, product or, or, you know, when you're desperate, you end up paying a higher price for your interest. So... Other thing for in a post sort of uh, COVID world or, or not a post COVID world, but a post uh, job keeper world, there will be clients that people pick up that perhaps have, you, you're quite excited because you've won a new client and maybe they're coming to you because they've been actually cut off from supply from other, other providers. So I would be doing a credit check um, and doing whatever reference checks, credit, credit checks uh, easily done for a nominal cost um, and also for any new clients, put them on strict terms, put them on a limit, get personal guarantees from uh, directors if, if that's what if that's going to be um, required because you don't want to be just inheriting some other basket case um, or inheriting a basket case that's already burnt three or four other suppliers. So um, seeing more and more of that um, out there in small business land. So well, there's just a few things I, I think people should should look to. Um, in addition to that, probably, you know, that, that's just good housekeeping and, 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 and sort of risk mitigation. But look, what are some opportunities? And this is the exciting stuff. So to me, every boom or bust um, has the impact of cleaning out industries. What businesses that can, in a, in a booming economy, pretty much any business will do well. In a, in a, in a sort of a, a harsher economy, 
those ones that were weak will die off and they'll be weeded out. And, and then as things turn around, there'll be, you know, a lot of opportunity for those surviving businesses to go and, and take over those clientele and that, that market share of those ones that have died off. So, you know, I think, you know, COVID-19 uh, or the pandemic will be, you know, the, the this will be like the GFC on steroids because I, I think, you know, what we're seeing now is significantly um, bigger than anything we experienced in, in the uh, pandemic. So given that this is going to be like the, the, the GFC on steroids, what does that mean for a small business? Well, look, there's a lot of opportunity out there. So one that people would be seeing now, um, there's never been a better time to sell secondhand equipment. Um, limits to supply from overseas, uh, changes in those depreciation policy um, and, and historically low interest rates are driving demand. Um, now, this is great if you've, you've got some um, machinery or, or, or equipment that you're perhaps um, happy to get rid of. Um, it's not so great if you sort of want to trade in one item and, and replace it with another because obviously you, you, you're going to be stuck with the same problem the rest of the, the planet's got in trying to get your hands on on the replacement asset. Um, but look, if you're a small business that's got some surplus equipment, now's not a bad time to sell. Um, even, um, I know it might be some personal stuff, not business related, but you know, things like camper vans and, and, and caravans um, and secondhand utes, people are selling them for, for an act, you know, they, they might be five years old and have plenty of Ks on them. They're actually selling them for more than they paid for them. So um, really good time to turn some perhaps underutilized equipment into some cash for your business. Also mentioned earlier, businesses will fold. When businesses fold, this means unfortunately people uh, are made redundant um, or, or laid off. Um, now that's a great opportunity for you if you're a small business to get your hands on some really quality experienced talent out there. So just keep that in mind. Uh, it, it, it's probably going to be a pretty pretty good time to be a hirer over the next um, sort of six months, I suspect. Um, and conversely, if you're thinking about changing jobs, you're probably going to have a little bit of competition if, you, if you're a listener out there that isn't self, self-employed. So off the back of businesses folding, though, also strategically get people thinking about, well, if, if some of your competitors are folding, one, you could do nothing and, and hopefully pick up a bit of their share. Um, but also, if you've got a, a business that's financially hurting, you might be able to go out and pick up, cherry pick the eyes out of their business, pick the, the best staff, the best clientele, the the equipment that you want, um, pick up their business or, or the best parts of their, their business for a, a, for a song and, uh, and just get an absolute steal. Um, and then by go and integrate those those clientele and staff into your business with without all the other overheads from the, that, that, that may have come. If you'd just taken over the whole business, well, then you, you may be adding straight to the bottom line. So really encourage people to keep keep an eye open for those opportunities and having a sniff around their respective industries and being ready. So particularly in those, those opportunities around new staff um, and, and identifying businesses that, you know, opportunities to, to perhaps cherry pick the best parts of a, a business with a, a partial business acquisition, that's all great, but that only can happen if you know your numbers. So you've got to be ready to pounce. So again, as I mentioned earlier, up-to-date financials and up-to-date lodgements. Ideally, you have them in zero, um, so that they're you know easy to maintain in real time. Again, 
clean up your own balance sheet if you can. So if there's any any smaller little debts on there that are, are particular, um, tidy those up because if you if you can pick up a a three or four hundred thousand dollar asset normally and you, it's only going to cost you a hundred grand, but you've got to go and get finance. Well, you know you, you just want to make it nice and easy for someone to finance approve your finance deal. So those that come prepared and and have access to cash and are ready, they can jump on it. Sometimes if you have to sit on a, you know, go through the whole application process, you might wait a month and you've lost that opportunity. So really important there for, for those businesses that are really looking to not just survive but thrive in this sort of a new world that we're going to be living in, have have your financials ready. So there, there's just a, a bit of a summary on, on what the what the world looks like from, you know, the, the all the help the government's provided what it's done to small business, what it's going to look like at the end of JobKeeper now that the money is over and what business owners should do and, and you know, the opportunities to, to make the most of, of you know, what's, what's left in the rubble in, in some cases of some industries. So, um, you know, if I were to have one get to the contest point that I want uh, my uh, audience to take away, that would really be know your numbers and have your numbers up to date. They allow you to be agile, they allow you to jump on opportunities and getting finance approved just um, or getting your figures in a place where finance can be approved easily is going to make all the difference to your your small business and enable you to jump on opportunities when they present themselves, which I'm very confident they will in uh, this new world we live in. Anyway, I hope you found this content useful and look forward to having you join me for the next episode of the Get to the Contest Small Business Podcast. Bye for now.